Hello there, and good evening. My name is Randolph J, and you're tuned in to the best of what's out there on midtownradio.ca. The premise of this show is a simple one. Each week, we'll be hosting intimate and interactive chats with familiar friends and fascinating strangers about their passions. Could be bird watching, Formula One racing, restoring antiques, or anything else that gets them excited. Our guests will be sharing their fondness for the various subjects that help shape who they are, and occasionally, they may even share their strategies for dealing with everything else in life. For more information about this program, please do visit us anytime on Facebook. We're under Mondo Rando. And on Instagram, it's Mondo Rando Radio. That's also our new email address, Mondo Rando Radio at gmail.com. We're very happy to have Arlene Thomas with us this week. Arlene has a passion for puppetry, which she will be sharing with us. She's the operator of Puppets and Shadows Theater. For more information, visit Puppets and Shadows on Instagram, Facebook, or puppetsandshadows.com. Without further ado, here she is, the one and only Arlene Thomas. Arlene, how are you this morning? Happy New Year. Uh, Happy New Year. I'm good. Uh, Surprisingly really alert for the first day of the year. It's great. What was your New Year's Eve? What did you do? We went for dinner. Uh, Basically, my husband and I, we went to Soleil and uh, had dinner and... Yeah, we're kind of boring, actually. That's what we did. <laughs> is that is that is that where you rang in the new year? Is that where you were at midnight? No, we were at home by midnight. Um, we had dinner at eight. Um, we've been in restaurants before at New Year's, and the last seating can be incredibly crowded and incredibly mm-hmm. sort of like with your elbows. So we yeah. kind of like doing dinner around eight, and then coming home and we have champagne here. We ring in the new year. It's interesting well. you say that because you. This is the first New Year's aside from the pandemic years in which mm-hmm. I haven't been doing something, you know, as, as a gig, you know, hosting right. something. Yeah. Uh, this year we thought we're just not going to book anything. We're just going to go out for a nice dinner. So we went to a place in Cambridge called the New York, ah. and we were we were worried about the same thing. We thought at midnight everything would be just you know you know chock a block with people and a lot of you know too much action, but it was really nice because it wasn't overcrowded and a few people had did leave after dinner. Uh, so it just made a little yeah. bit of extra space at New Year's. So there are maybe 50, 60 of us in a very pleasant restaurant and oh, okay. drank the champagne and had a great band, Mike Meacher. I don't know if you know Mike Meacher, but... No, uh, but it sounds was, good. It was really a lot of fun. So we really had a good New Year's Eve. Uh, we're talking about puppets today on today's yeah. installment of the program, which we're we're now calling Mondo Rando. We were calling the best of what's out there, but that sounded a little arrogant. And Mondo uh, Rando is already well. To say it's the best of what's out there, I know. And Mondo yeah. Rando is already the channel I had, and it really, literally, Mondo Rando because Mondo kind of from the world means everything or very yeah. or a lot, and Rando means just some guy. <laughs> so okay, so, so yeah, awesome. I, I, that, okay, that'll that'll do. You know, that'll do. for now <laughs> as Great. we go. So so tell me about puppets and what got you interested in puppets. An accident. I, I like. I, I really. When I. I have a, a degree in theater, like a bachelor of fine arts, and I, I had intended just to do the normal thing that theater. The normal thing. The thing that theater people tend to do, which is like send out resumes, do auditions, whatever. Um, and then a friend of mine um, called me and said, um, "I kind of want to see what happens if we do the Scottish play. I feel like I should say the Scottish play and not the M word. We can do we're that. Not we can, in a theater. Just we're not in the theater. For those who don't know, the Scottish play is the play Shakespeare wrote that." 
actors are not supposed to say when they're on stage the or backstage. So I'll I'll say it. If you want to close your ears for a second, just so people okay. know, we're talking about Macbeth. We're yes, talking about we Macbeth. Are. And he said, yeah. I want to do that with shadow puppets. And I was like, did you, what were you drinking last night? Are you okay? What, what? <laughs> and he, but he was really excited about this. He said, no, I found this thing about shadow puppets and I think it would be really good and blah, 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 blah. And he was going on and on and on and on and on. And finally, to, to, just to get him to stop talking, I said, okay, look, there's this thing called the Arts Fund here. I'll write a grant. If they give us money, we'll do it. Right on. So I did, not thinking they would give us money to do this because that's it just seems a little like, I'd like to do the Scottish play with Shadow Puppets, please. Now, could I have some money? Thank you. Yeah, I'll, need 14 uh, million, I'll need $14 million to get started. At, yeah, well, no, it was a really small grant, but but <laughs> they gave it to us. And I called them back. I'm like, you know how to do all that stuff you just said, right? Because we kind of have to do it now. Um, and that, you know, that happens a lot. Like actors are notorious for jumping in and going, yeah, I'll do this. And then someone says yes. And they're like, I didn't expect you to say yes. Okay, now I have to do it. So I did. Um, and so that was our first one. And I, the company was originally called Shadow Puppet Theater, not because I made up that name, because I wrote in the grant, I want to do Shadow Puppet Theater. And whoever it was at the Arts Fund must have thought I meant that's the name of my company. Okay. So I got a letter back saying Arlene Thomas Shadow Puppet Theater. And I was like, eh, all right, fine. Um, <laughs> good. Um, because we didn't really intend to do more than one show. And really, I just needed that name for legal reasons. So the government didn't think I was doing fraud by doing something under a different name or whatever. Sure, sure. And, and, and we did it. And then somebody from the University of Waterloo saw the show with, I think, like a niece or a nephew or something. Because it was for kids, too, because you always do that play for kids. True. And let me ask you, just back up. So we're talking about this was how many years ago? Oh, gosh. 2008, six. Okay. Five. So not, not, that, not that long ago, 15 oh. years ago. So that's yeah. pretty good. So, uh, so and this was the university you're taught. Is this your alma mater? You know, no, you it's not. I went to the University of Windsor. Okay. Um, but so, you were doing this in town here. You're doing this yeah, in Yeah, we did it at the Kitchener Public Library, okay. um, right. among a few other places. But they had a room there, and we're like, okay, we'll do this. It's a great theater there. It is, but it wasn't the theater. We were doing it in one of the smaller rooms. That's the thing about puppets. They don't necessarily work in traditional theaters because mm -hmm. they're too big. We've done, we did stuff in traditional well, theaters. Well, tell, tell that to the Muppets, Arlene. <laughs> tell okay. that to the Okay. So, there, yes, yes, you're right. The Muppets, Avenue Q. I, 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 I know. If you I, get to that level, then <laughs> yes, you can rent any theater you want and do literally whatever you want as right. long as you're holding Kermit, which I I'm didn't not. mean to derail you. I'm so sorry. So, let's go back to it. So, the, someone from the University of Waterloo theater faculty or another part of the faculty? No, it was the um, German faculty. Oh, actually. all right. Yes. Saw it and said, hey, can you do Faust? And I was like, oh. because that's for kids too. Yeah, um, so cheerful. <laughs> so we did, that was a hard one. We mm -hmm. did it. We did it with some of the original German in it. Um, wow. So I learned a little bit of German and then I was like, okay, that's it. And like over the years, I kept getting, like, people kept saying, okay, can you do this? Okay, can you do that? Okay, can you do this? And, and then eventually I met up with this person named Nike, who is a friend of mine, and she has a lot of experience in puppets from Toronto. Like, she did stuff at Casaloma and that kind of thing. And it wasn't until I got together with her that the company name changed to Puppets and Shadows Theatre. And I was like, okay, this now has more of a vision. 
Um, so she moved here. She did a, a, a Nashville jungle shorts, that thing that Patty Glard bent. Those are does. great. Yeah, You've done fun. those before as well. Those are yeah, great. Yeah. And I, in fact, I was in one with her and the way I got her to, um, to, cause I saw her working. I thought, nah, she'd be really good at puppets. And I don't know why I thought that, but I went over and said, Hey, do you want to do puppets with me or something equally awkward or stumbly? Like it mm-hmm. wasn't. And she, she said, yeah. And we took. This, I mean, this moves us forward a lot in time because this is where the company kind of gelled for me as Puppets and Shadows Theater. So it was, that must have been in like 2016 or 17. Mm-hmm. And then we did this show called The Adventures of Widget, which is now a really big show with a, like a, a, an orchestra, but at the time it was just a little prototype. And I got this message from a festival in New York. It's called the Eastside Festival of the Arts. And they were like, do you have anything for kids? And it's not, I mean, these are, this gig was just like, we just come and do it. And I was like, so, so Nikkei, do you want to take some puppets to New York? Which is nuts. Cause you don't you usually plan that a little bit more. You don't just sort of take puppets to New York, but I did, we did. So we mm-hmm. got in the car and we got to perform in Manhattan at this little festival for kids and had a really great time. And from there on, just started building shows that were kind of in that spirit of the kid that hides in the library that makes up stories. Nice. Um, and the stories are, yeah, we have a lot of fun making up stories and characters and, and performing them, usually not in theaters, like usually in libraries and museums and galleries and found spaces and stuff, which is a lot of fun. Right. Now, when you say puppet, just so we, just so we uh, get, make, make sure everyone's on the same page, when you say these are shadow puppets you did the, when you were in New York, these were shadow puppets you were doing? They were. Widget okay. is a shadow puppet show. Okay. Um, now, what, now, tell us, everyone, what a shadow puppet is. For those okay. not everyone knows what a shadow puppet is. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, a shadow puppet is, it's, it's a shadow. It liter- it's just a shadow of a puppet. So shadow puppets have existed in the world since people figured out that fire made reflections on walls and you could make fun shadows. And Mm -hmm. then there are tons of countries that do all sorts of different kinds of shadow puppets, but basically it's a shadow puppet that's designed only to be seen in shadow. Um, And sometimes there's color. If you use translucent material, that's colorful. Sometimes there's not. Um, And it has a very distinct quality to it. Um, mm-hmm. it, it really, it lends itself to really imaginative, uh, stories. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very different from Jim Henson's Muppets, mm-hmm. um, which are awesome. I mean, those are awesome things. That's a very specific style. They're, those are hand and rod puppets and you see the puppet and they kind of, most of him, um, most of what he does, the exception being, a sh- um, there's one movie he did where it wasn't, but they're, they're kind of puppets that walk like this and they're, they're caricatures. Shadow puppets are much more, they tend to be much more fluid. Um, they can tell very intricate stories or they can tell very broad stories. Um, and the great thing about them is that you can use them in conjunction with other puppets, which we do. So nice. I have little okay. hand puppets too. Um, where there's a shadow puppet and it really, it adds a really cool depth to stories. I can't claim to follow any particular tradition. Um, I've had various artists, shadow puppet artists that I've looked at over the years. Um, as I said, almost, I think every ancient civilization in the world had a version of this. 
Mm-hmm. So well, I, I would assume so. Yeah. I would, yeah. yeah. And I, I think we associate them with China and Malaysia, which they have a beautiful tradition there. Um, and actually, um, I worked with puppet mongers um, during a, a workshop, and I got to work with a woman who was from Malaysia, and she was creating a, a, a story, and it, or it was it was beautiful. But um, there's also in European culture they have it. So there's a woman named Lotte Reiniger who did a film back in the 1920s, fully animated with shadow puppets, that kind of thing. So. Mm. Yeah, well, I would assume it depends on depends on the culture. Some would pursue, would maintain the culture for much longer than others, yes. perhaps. Because, but I'm I'm sure you're right. I'm sure every every civilization that had their had fire had come up with fire would Which bring with it puppet theater because it, it's it's sort of like soccer in that soccer is yeah. is so popular around the world because all you require for soccer is something to kick and someone to kick it with. That's yeah, all that's retired. You don't need anything yes, more yeah. than that. That's whereas it. every other sport needs a lot of things. And shadow puppets, you don't need to be Jim Henson to make rabbit ears in front of a flashlight. No, you go like this. And the thing is, and that's the other thing, shadow puppets. And there's also shadow theater, which is a bit different. It uses people, mm-hmm. uh, hands and bodies and that kind of thing. We don't yeah. really do that so much. Although occasionally we have deliberately put a hand or something yeah. in a show for a specific reason. But And, and if a grant comes along <laughs> and they're looking for that, I'm sure you'll, you'll suddenly find the wherewithal to, to do it. Yeah. You, you know, that's and actors are adaptable. I mean, yeah. we, we love exploring new things and that's what I did in this case. I was just, yeah. somebody said, Hey, let's do this. And I was like, great, let's do this. I think another th- reason shadow puppets are as, as ubiquitous as they are, historically is because it does and your your imagination is given so much less up front you have to fill in a lot of the gaps but it still gives you all of the structure so you're basically getting a skeleton that you need to flesh out yourself and to do that you need to engage your imagination more than you would with a, a kermit the frog or a miss piggy yeah, although that's interesting. With a Kermit the Frog and a Miss Piggy, we engage our imaginations a lot more than we think we do. Because, mm, well, that's true. Because they, they're ideas, really, of something. Mm. And we just kind of we kind of accept that and we go with it. Um, and I mean, shadow puppets are similar in that sense, is that you, you, you just sort of accept certain things as being, okay, that's the story. Um, what I would say about shadow puppets is that you really have to be deliberate. Um with what you're doing. So the show widget that we did is mm-hmm. silent. Like there's no talking in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all music. Mm-hmm. Um, and so everything the puppet does has to be very deliberate and very uh, intentional and, and clear and, and clear. clear. And you have to, we had to, with that show, we had to experiment a long time to find out what, because I think, okay, I think I'm intending this, but the audience is seeing something else. So we spent a lot of time looking at what we were creating. Like we put a cell phone camera. It was the most terrible cinematography you'll ever see in your life. But it, what it did is it let us see kind of what the audience was seeing. It's like, mm, that doesn't, ex- that's not, that's not what I need widget to do or what I need widget to say to the audience at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to be extremely deliberate, but that is also true of the other kind of puppets too. I mean, it yeah. looks like Jim Henson and his team were being very random. They're not. 
Not at all. They're actually no. being very specific, but it's but they make it look really easy, and that's well, why there's so much bad puppetry online because people are like, oh, that's easy. I just go well, like you, this. Well, you can also see the evolution of yes. a character, and with the the Henson family of puppets, which I'm sure we're going to be talking a lot about because it's hard to talk about puppetry yeah, in and our generation is, yeah. and not defer back to the you know the the yeah. Old Testament or the New Testament of puppetry, which is the Henson Workshop and all that they've done. Yeah. So I would suggest that with a, a, a puppet like a, a Grover or a Bert and Ernie or, or a, a Statler and Waldorf. These are in, these are, these puppets, have, these are puppets that we have imbued with personalities yeah. specific to that puppet. So there's only one Fozzie bear. Yeah. And yeah. whereas when you look at shadow puppets, you think more in archetypes as in, this is the storyteller. This is the yeah. wizard. This is the, it, you know, it's not any wizard. It's, it's, or it could be any wizard, but in, or it, it, rather, it could be it any could bear. Be, yeah. Here's here's the bear in this shadow puppet theater. It could be any bear. In with Fozzie, it's Fozzie Bear. It's always it's, going to be Fozzie Bear. It's true. Although with Widget, Widget was a very specific character. Widget is a robot. Widget is a robot. Okay. He's a robot, and he basically lives. It's a it's a it's a cycle story. So it it's in um it happens in four parts. So spring, summer, winter, fall, winter. Um, and of course we use the four seasons mm -hmm. and we have, when we did it live, we had a Baroque ensemble playing oh, doing Vivaldi? Like you're Vivaldi, playing Vivaldi, but doing an edit, but it was a version that was edited to the puppets. Mm -hmm. Um, so really it was only a half an hour version of that entire suite, all four mm -hmm. seasons. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't assume you would do the whole thing. It would get a bit long. It would get a um, bit long, yes. So, uh, we, but, but Widget is a very specific character. I mean, he's living in this kind of landscape where everything's rock and steel and, uh, including the sun, which is this kind of gray lump. And yeah, aren't we all? <laughs> aren't we all? He lives, he lives, and, and so he meets this flower that's trying to grow through the, the thing. And it's about their relationship. Um, and how he helps them to grow. So he's he's a very specific robot hmm. uh, character, and Flower is a very specific flower character. Mm -hmm. So um, you could, I, I'd say you can start off in the general and identifying. Okay, this is you have to right. You do have to introduce the characters very clearly. Uh, this is what this is. This is what this is. But then if 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 you go through the story, all of a sudden the characters become a lot more specific and have their own quirks and personalities. Oh, and I'm sure as the creator, yeah. as the creator, you Kinda. have very personal relationships with Widget and all of the different characters that you create because they're you. They're part of, they're an extension of you. You've created it. Yeah, and I build them too. So and you build them. How how large are these? How large are these puppets that you use? Widget's like I'm going to say that big. Well, there's, this is on the radio, so I don't know. Well, okay, I know. Okay, two and a so half feet. Doing like that two, two and a half feet. That's what I wanted because I don't have a sense of distance. So okay, that's why I'm doing that for you here. Two, okay. it's not me. <laughs> two and a half, two and half feet. feet. Okay. Um, flower is probably about half that, and uh, those are on the bigger side. Okay, and do they we articulate? Done, are they they're articulating? Oh puppets? yes. Okay. Yes. So widget has widget is actually three dimensional, which may seem a bit counterintuitive for a puppet. But you have to turn it around. You turn it, it around, profile, yeah, yeah, and it kind of helps. So he's he's cubes. He's got a cube head, a cube body, and he's got a neck that is articulated. Mm -hmm. He's got arms that are articulated. His feet are a little bit articulated. We made them fairly stiff, so he kind of does this, this kind of do, 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 walk across mm -hmm. the stage. And I'm making that sound for the radio. I understand. Um, I understand. I'm sure it's just like puppet feet. We can use our imagination. We can use our imagination. <laughs> know exactly um, what you're talking about. So he, the challenge with him or that puppet was to get it so that it was articulated enough that it made movements that were 
great for the audience, but he wasn't like a bag of bones that kind of was shaking across the stage. Mm-hmm. Um, because they so- still ha- he's still an actor and he must have intention and he can't look, yeah. he can't, a robot, I mean, robots can't look stiff, <laughs> theoretically, you know, in the sense that he is stiff, but yeah. he can't look stiff. He can't look, well, he has to look like that's his natural movement. And exactly. then Flower, on the other hand, was completely free. So basically we used, and the flower petals, like, are, are, the flower petals come off because of a, a point in the show where the wind blows and knocks them off so they go on and off but the flower had like a stiff kind of frame with individual flower puppets but the stem was just a piece of rope so that when Nikkei was manipulating and again I'm making motions but the motion I'm making is this nice flowy like movement of a flower so you had Mm. two very nice contrasting motions and then the rest of the set was articulated too like so the sun when Widget needed the sun to be like a warm, glowy sun so flower could grow, the sun basically was on like a rotating thing. And then it, it you you turned the crank and the sun rotated and became a, a glowing sun. Hmm. It's re- it, it, And puppetry, when you see it and you see how you solve problems because mm-hmm. when you when you write it now how, I, I shouldn't presume to know how you write it I'm okay. I'm guessing now so, so tell me about the writing process do you sit at a desk and just jot down ideas about what you might like to see and then craft something and then try it out and say okay we need to make this sun glow what are our options mm-hmm. uh it can be that in the case of Widget, I got a wire bending jig in my stocking one year over the holidays. Now, I'm and sure you asked Santa for that. That's not something just a guide, random. Yeah, or my husband who, <laughs> you know, builds harpsichords. So he knows what all this stuff is. So uh, I, yes, so I got that and, and I started designing a character. So Widget started with the character. But then, yes, you're absolutely right. That's exactly what we do. We go, okay, we this is how we envision the character moving. This is what we want it to do. How do we do that? Because they don't move on their own, obviously. Um, And I think I rebuilt Widget maybe four or five times before I was happy with it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I get one thing working and then the other thing would be a problem and et cetera. And same thing with the sun. We had to, we know that we want the sun to go from gray to yellow, which is easy to write on a piece of paper. But then we have to come up with this. How do you do that? Um, In a shadow, in a shadow. How do you do that? In a shadow, yeah. So... The solution, it turns out, is uh, a Meccano set. Um, oh, Meca- I remember Meccano. Yeah, for, do you for remember those, that? Meccano, for yeah. Those, for the younger listeners out there, Meca- if you know what Lego is, yeah. Meccano is kind of a pre-Lego. I don't even want to call yeah. it a toy. It's a building material, but for children. Well, it's it's a steam toy, really. It's, it's one of the to- early steam toys. That's yeah. really what it is. And we actually did try Lego, and I, there is some connects involved in the show, too. So we went mm. through all of the things. But basically, I disassembled a windmill set, and I kind of reordered the gears so that the gear ratio was different, and then mm-hmm. turned it into this rotating thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you have like I keep using my hands. I'm going to talk with it's my like hands. You're, no, listen, uh, you're not the first puppeteer I've talked to that couldn't not use their hands. Yeah. Talk. So basically, you have a long piece of clear. Um, sort of plastic material Mm -hmm. and one the gray lumpy sun is on one end and the yellow round glowy sun is at the other and the glowy sun you don't it's not lights or anything you just use um stained glass paint i was gonna say a less dense material so the light can pass through it is that probably fair to say 
Yeah, the clear plastic, the light can pass through all of it. So you paint both suns. The, so I use this stained glass paint that you can get. It's kind of an oil-based paint that's designed really, it's like a craft paint. It's designed for people to put like fake stained glass on their windows. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you paint the gray lumpy one with this kind of diluted black so that it's still translucent. And then the yellow one with yellow. And, and it, act, it it works. You rotate the sun and the gray lumpy one goes away and the the yellow um the yellow glowy one appears it's amazing it's and it's and i'm a big believer that when you have to think your way out of creative problems you end up with something that you couldn't just imagine ahead of time without trial and error because you can't foresee how um, that will evolve and it has to evolve. Nothing, there's an old expression that I love. Nothing brand new is brilliant and nothing brilliant is brand new. Everything wants it, to get brilliant. It has to go through a few uh, drafts, I guess mm-hmm. you would say. But, you know, there are yep. exceptions, I'm sure, to that rule. All rules have exceptions. Yeah. And we live in a world that wants us to believe that people are made overnight. That mm-hmm. it's like you just all of a sudden, you know, I just sat down and I wrote the story. I just sat down and I created the painting. It Usually what that means is they're sitting down for like the 10th, 15th, 100th time to do it. Mm-hmm. And then that's when it gets there. But I mean, I, and I, as you say, there's exceptions to every rule, but rarely have I ever with the puppets on the first draft of a puppet been like, yeah, that's perfect. There's I, no notes. There's nothing else I can do. Right. Exactly. There's always notes. And, and, and even it, when I'm done shows, I'm like, yeah, if we could just do this. If we well, could just it's do a, that. But that's why I think uh, certain restraints on your creativity are what allow creativity to flourish in my view. So if you have a time limit, then, you know, perfect or not, your puppet is done by showtime. Yeah, well, yeah, because you need And to, uh, uh, as far as the uh, – often, I mean, I look at movies, uh, superhero movies in particular, where a lot of money is poured in. And the money allows you to have your first choice. And your first choice isn't always – the best choice it isn't um it isn't and you can see it a lot with yeah as you say with big blockbuster movies but also um there's that old saying you know be careful what you wish for or you you know sometimes you don't get you want what you want but you do get what you need Mm -hmm. so sometimes when things don't work out the first time you actually get the thing that you need and that's something that if you do right if you have a lot of money and you can just pour it all in, then you don't, you're always going to get what you want, but is that really what you need? Well, yeah, I would agree. And, and you don't, until you've, until you've, if you build a puppet or you build anything creatively, until you've worked with it and played with it, you don't know what it's capable of doing because you're creating something brand new. And so when you do have to, you know, maybe he's too short, maybe he's too tall, maybe I need to pat him out, maybe he's too narrow. When you have to figure that stuff out in real time in a 3d world, you're, you, there's something that happens to you as an artist where you just become more invested in this character because you're putting time and yeah. effort and, and uh, I guess, time more than anything else, but resources you're putting into resources, making yeah. this thing come to life. And then you begin to take a sort of pride of ownership and a real protectiveness over your characters. And it becomes <laughs> difficult to pass them on. 
It's true. And I mean, I should also just add after that last part, it's not that we don't like or need money artists. <laughs> uh, but, but just wanted to clarify that, but it's, but, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a good yeah. point. Um, it's also amazing during the rehearsal process, uh, what you discover, how you solve problems that you wouldn't, again, think about sitting at your desk or lying in bed. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a, a show, we used to have these fairy tales that we did that were written by, so Matt, who's the original guy that, that worked with me on the Scottish play, he's, he, he's moved on. I mean, he and I are still really good friends, but he just had wanted to do some other stuff, but he wrote these, uh, fairy tales. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of which was Rapunzel. And these are kind of like knockoffs of the fairy tales. Of They're course, kind of, of making course. fun of them. They're bit, yeah. But we couldn't, so my theater has these doors uh, on the wings, like a top one and a bottom one. And we're like, great, that's Rapunzel's tower. Wonderful. So we had Rapunzel up in the tower and, and then we had on the bottom level, like the normal playing front part, we had the, the prince guy. And we're like, we have to get the prince to climb her hair. Well, puppets come with arms because these these were hand puppets, not shadow puppets. I should mm-hmm. I should say that puppets come with arms. So if you if you have a puppet climb up a tower like that, all of a sudden you're just going to get this long arm, and it looks a little awkward and weird. So I think we tried. I think mean, we tried like attaching a string to the front of his button that broke, and we tried like some really fancy surreptitious ways. And finally, the guy that was playing the prince or or was either the person playing Rapunzel, the person playing Rapunzel just got really frustrated during one rehearsal, Mm -hmm. reached down, grabbed the prince by the head and yanked him into the tower. Mm -hmm. And it was the most hilarious thing ever. And the kids love it. And that ended up being it because really you can't get this puppet up the, up the, the thing any other way. And it was great. Well, there is something, there is something meta almost about watching when you're in the audience, watching people on stage or puppets on stage, have to think their way out of a practical problem in yeah. real time. And there's something very, uh, there's something very human about that. Yeah. And you can do that with puppets. That's something you can do with puppets that with humans are acting, you can't do as much. You can get, you can shine the spotlight on the problem. I think that's mm-hmm. what it is and be like, well, yeah. Another one, we had Red Riding Hood as well. And another one, like having a whole bunch of bushes and trees in the forest can be problematic for puppets because mm-hmm. they bump into them. So we needed the wolf to hide behind a bush because, you know, Red Riding Hood's coming. Mm-hmm. Instead of having this giant bush in the way that was just going to block everything, basically he reached down and got this little bush on a stick and just held it in front of his face. Oh, and that's, then, a like, classic. that's a classic. That's a classic joke. Yeah. Right? Like, it's classic. And, 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 I mean, it never gets old. I probably got that from Bugs Bunny, if I'm honest. But oh, I'm sure you did. But the it reason works. it works, here's, I think, the reason it works. And it's not just with children. It's it's good storytelling. If you yeah. establish, if you tell the audience, here are the rules of the universe we're creating. Yep. Yep. They're on board 100%. But if you violate those rules, they will call you out on it immediately. Oh, you, yes, they will. Especially and, and it's it's absolutely a wonderful back and forth with an audience. Because I used to do a lot of children's theater. Not so yeah. much puppets, but we would do children's theater. And we would, you know, we had a rock. And I was like, don't tell her I'm hiding behind this rock. Ro- right, of course, yeah. I was the bad guy. So the kids were like, he's behind the rock. It's just a lot of fun 
Stop. Yeah. Yeah. You are listening to Mondo Rando and the best of what's out there on MidtownRadio.ca with our very special guest, Arlene Thomas. Arlene has some workshops coming up and some touring taking place in the new year with Puppets and Shadows Theatre. If you'd like to learn more, puppetsandshadows.com, and you can find Puppets and Shadows on Facebook as well as Instagram, and we have linked to our own page, so you can find her there as well. And if you ever want to touch base with me, please do drop me an email, mondorandoradio at gmail.com. And now back to our good friend Arlene Thomas of Puppets and Shadows Theatre. Well, no, I have to say, like, I shouldn't swear as much as I do when I have a parrot in the <laughs> in the other room, but neither here nor there. Uh, so we're back with Arlene Thomas for okay. an extended chat. We we were talking for about twenty minutes about how great puppets are, and then we realized that somebody, one of us, didn't hit record. Now we could sit here all day and try to figure out who that yeah. was. Let's say we're both responsible. Yes. Anyway, yes. well, it's fine. Well, no, we want to the one of the great things about being able to do this show is to talk to people who have real passions for things. And often it can be something they fell into by accident. In the case Mm -hmm. of Arlene, she's an actor. She's performing in shows as an actor and sort of backward or or fell into, I suppose, Mm -hmm. came in backward into puppetry. Very much backwards. And you've turned that into a profession. Yes, I have. Which is really exciting. Yes, it is. It is. It's kind of nice. I mean, I always feel it's still very special when I get paid to do the work I do because I, I it's such a privilege. It really is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fun. Well, and you're mentioning also that um, you know you have a passion for something yep. when those closest to you are tired of hearing about it. Yes, <laughs> yes. Although to be fair, my husband built like he's a harpsichord player and he builds and repairs them. So sometimes he goes off on monologues too about that. So we're both guilty of having a passion and, and letting our mouths run a bit. Well, we'll have to have him on. Absolutely. We'll, we'll talk about building building harpsichords. Listen, I'm a big fan of the old uh Margaret Rutherford uh, Miss Marple films. And uh-huh. without without the harpsichord, I don't know if the murder mystery genre ever would have taken off. Mm, true that's very true <laughs> you need not. one don't you kind of- yeah, yeah. so okay so tell us because we, we were talking about before but let's just do it again a little yeah. bit uh tell us what because uh you started as an actor and you moved on to puppetry and mm-hmm. i'm I clearly developed a passion for doing this mm-hmm. so how has that because you're still acting i know you still do the yeah. uh, how has how has working with the puppets informed your theater work because it must have an impact it does. It does. It's all about that sense of story that that uh, um, that you get from puppets. I mean, they let you create these creative, imaginative stories that you. I probably wouldn't have thought of a lot of these stories without the puppets because they they open up a whole new element of storytelling, mm. and that's that's the fundamental part of theater. It doesn't matter whether you're what role you're playing in theater. Everybody is trying to serve the story, um, and so when I'm an actor on stage, all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, okay. So I need to figure out what role I, what is my character doing in the story? And it's less about getting like the biggest part or whatever. Uh, and much more about, about just telling the story. And that's something I had to learn. Like when I was younger, it was like, Hey, I want the biggest part. I want the most lines. Um, and then shifting that thinking to be like, okay, you know, what, what is this character 
do in the story? What, why do we need this character in the story? Why does this character exist in this story? And what can I, what can I bring to it to move the plot and the story forward? Which is really what the whole thing is about. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would say to you that I, I think that when you are working with puppets, mm-hmm. there's an, there's a necessity to look at mm-hmm. things objectively instead of mm-hmm. subjectively because you are not, you are, there's a, there's a, there's a barrier between mm-hmm. you and the audience, which is the puppet. Mm-hmm. So yes. the puppet is is forcing you to look at things objectively. So you're because when you're an actor on stage, it's very difficult not to be subjective because you're playing a part. You have to mm-hmm. be that character. You have to uh, adapt their mannerisms. You have to focus on what you are doing as an individual. And it is wonderful if you have the ability to be objective within that, so mm-hmm. the audience is still seeing you as the character, but you have that third eye open that's still paying attention to the world around you and the story that you're collectively telling yes. with your fellow actors. And that's that's something that's not easy to do necessarily. And so when you're working yeah. with puppets, you have no choice but to do that. You have to look objectively at the whole thing because you are you do have that nice little bridge between yourself and the audience. And you do have to shed the ego. I mean, you have, to lot, shed the ego. you have to shed the ego. A lot of times with puppets, um, I mean, Widget, okay, to use Widget again, the, the, the main character is Widget, but Nikkei actually plays a lot of the other roles. And sometimes it's technical and sometimes it's the voice and sometimes it's the mechanics. And so you learn that you need to do whatever it is you need to do to serve the story. It's not about who gets the most time on the screen or the stage, depending on whether I'm doing shadow puppets or Mm -hmm. not. It's about, okay, this is what we have to accomplish. We need to accomplish it together. Otherwise this falls apart. And in puppets, when I say it falls apart, it can quite literally fall apart. (laughs) Right. So, so when you realize that when you kind of, and this is going to sound so strange because it should be very obvious that when you're, in a production with anybody, whether it's live theater or puppets, everyone's on the same team and going towards the same goal. But artists and actors can be very, like, first of all, we're, we're often very sensitive and very, like, oh, does this person like me? Does that person like me? Am I doing a good job? We're very wrapped up in our own kind of well, your ego, ego. comes. Your ego takes yeah. a major, major part in your behavior. It does. And so you have to kind of go, oh, okay, let's set that aside. And decide that we're going to create this story together. Um, and by together, I mean everybody, like the, the actors, the crew, the everybody. We're going to create this story. And if that's the focus, instead of, oh, my gosh, did, did, did I look good saying that lying? Did I? <laughs> Suddenly, oh, the whole job, A, becomes easier. And B, um, the characters that I create are much more memorable and much more interesting to play. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And much more fun. To know that if the puppet is doing well and that and the story is being told, you can as a group, as a as your theater company can watch the puppets. You know, you you are the performer. You are making all the stuff the puppet does happen. The puppet isn't doing any of it. You're doing all the work. But the puppet is getting all of the accolade. The puppet's getting the laughs, the puppet's getting the cheers. So you're able to you're able to supplant your ego and you're able to just Settle back and enjoy the process of putting on a show and put and telling a story and your fellow performers. It's easier to rally behind their successes, I think, mm-hmm. because yes, it because is. your ego isn't being threatened. Your, your puppet's already taken any credit you're going to get. Yeah, exactly. So you so. you can you can you can put that aside and relax into into doing something for the audience, which is really 
why would you do it if not for the audience? That's true. And I think we were talking about like the producing role too, and having mm-hmm. to kind of recognize how much really goes into a show. How like there is no in? such thing as a one person show that doesn't exist in the it's world. It's true. It's true. You absolutely um, have to. And I would say, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Just, just to, to get actors. If you, if there's any advice you can offer an actor, it's to get, mm-hmm. find some ways to help out backstage and to see why the crew deserve far more credit than they're often given. Yeah. Well, I mean, do all the jobs, do all the things because mm-hmm. you start to understand that for you to appear on stage as an, as an actor, a gazillion other things have to happen. Um, most of which you don't see or even know about until you actually do those roles. And I, I think I, just before we we switched off, I was saying that like one of the things I loved about my theater school was that we, that was a requirement in first year that we take some backstage roles and we could kind of choose which ones. Um, so I did front of house. I did, um, I did some assistant stage managing and you start to understand, okay, the actors are the thing that most people see and remember but their work is for naught if all this other stuff doesn't happen. Like mm-hmm. it, you, you can't just, I mean, there's very rare that you see just actors on a bare stage. I suppose it's been done, but like it, it, you need all this other stuff. And if, if as an actor, you don't have an appreciation for that, you can become a really snotty human and not fun to be around. And yeah. the, the actors that have done that are, are better because they realize, okay, I'm one component in this whole thing that we're trying to create. Yeah, so they, a, you know. a cake that is just icing is not a cake. Exactly. And that's exactly what it is. Oh. And I mean, it's amazing. I've over the years I've worked with actors, some who have been fabulous, and some who still have that, well, I can do whatever I want because I'm the actor and you need me attitude. And I can't figure it out because I'm going, you do realize that you're like one part and there's a whole, okay. Yeah, but every, I mean, people go grow and I like to think that, you I know, hope so. Yeah. yeah. Cause it, yeah, you need to, yeah. But that's, that but was, that was one a, of the best part. But it's a definite advantage when you are your own producer as you are yeah. uh, in creating these puppets. Cause you do have to look at the show and the business. Uh, yes. And the business side is, whew, I, I, I didn't realize how scary that would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially when I first started, because it seems, okay, okay, just going back to the very original show, the Scottish play, trying to do the basic things that I thought, oh, well, you just do that. So you just cast some actors and, and, and get some places to perform and go. I remember kind of starting to do that and looking at it going, actually, don't know how to really do that like where do you like where do you put out the call for actors where do you start asking for places to perform like all I had to learn all of that and it was a really amazing experience and I had to learn so it's not just ego I had to learn to get a lot over a lot of my own fears of rejection because not everyone in the world is going to say yes to you um and fears of making a mistake. And that was a huge one for me. I was, you know, especially when I was younger, it was a huge perfectionist. And I didn't want to make a mistake. Well, if you're going to produce theater, you're going to make mistakes because. Mm. <laughs> Bob, just, Bob Ross, yeah, Bob, Bob Ross used to call them the happy little accidents. The happy little accidents. Yeah. And, and it's terrifying. Um, but if you do it and you get through it and the next that rhymed the next time you you go to do it you'll go okay tried that that didn't work i need to do this instead 
Um, and it does get easier each time, but I don't think I've ever, I mean, I still have with the business side, it's still this part of me that's still a bit terrified of it because it's just a lot to take. Well, you are, and you're, don't forget, you're using a different part of your brain. Yeah, you are. When you're, when you're, when you're creating and you're performing with puppets, the, the part of your brain that is running the box office has to disengage if you're going to fully engage in the puppet. Yeah. And the puppet, yep. I mean, to to fully engage in the business side, you have to kind of say your puppets are secondary. Right now, I have to focus on mm-hmm. getting butts in seats. Well, and it's and, very difficult. And you have to do the thing that you think would be really easy for actors. But the more people I talk to who are artists, I realize it's very hard for us is put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. So I have to call like and write to museums and galleries and libraries and say, hey, I have this thing. I'd really like to perform it there. Will you, you know take me on and Mm -hmm. it doesn't sound very complicated but putting yourself out there and saying I have something that's worth seeing um is uh is really actually for some it's a lot harder than it looks well it's because you're working at cross purposes you are what you're trying to do is brag about how great the thing you have is Mm -hmm. while having you have to be humble you have to humble yourself to ask a venue to host you. Yeah. And so when you're trying to be humble and brag about what you're doing, I mean, and I know a lot of, a lot of actors have a lot to be humble about, (laughs) but it's very difficult. Sometimes it's very difficult to, to humble yourself for investors or for the theater companies or for, or for Mm -hmm. venues to take a chance on you. Um, and to get rejected for that is it's very difficult and you're absolutely right and it, it does go counterintuitive to the ego we were talking about when it comes to people that because putting yourself on stage is not an easy thing to do no but uh, it's different from putting yourself out there and the, it's a totally different thing it's a very different it's a different kind of uh humility that needs it to is. be exercised and, and i am happy as a clam on stage i yeah. love it um but writing those emails and making those phone calls and doing those follow-ups, that's, that's a really tough thing for me. And I had to learn to do it. And the thing you said about rejection, you have to learn that you are going to get rejected because you can't, if, if, you're, if you put yourself out as much as you need to, somebody is going to say no. And you have to not take that personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be a really tough thing. I had a, I have a friend actually who I submitted something probably – some writing thing or some grant thing. And I, I got a rejection and he said, Oh, congratulations. I was like, did, did you hear me? I got rejected. He said, well, but that means you're putting yourself out there. Mm-hmm. And that, and I, I thought about that. And I thought, yeah, because nobody, and it doesn't even the most famous and successful actor in the business, nobody has ever gone through the career without some form of rejection. Mm-hmm. And but if I've they have, it's, if they have, it's to their detriment. It is. But I've also had a lot of yeses. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to be able to, yeah. And, and there's always also wondering, oh, am I, there's the, that imposter syndrome. Am I good enough? Can I do, and all, uh, most artists I know go through that too. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got to tackle those things. And so, yeah, I would highly recommend producing or putting yourself out there in this way to most artists because it does strengthen you and you do become more resilient and you do, um, because you can, cause I know when things are working and things are not, or things are what I want to present and when they're not. So you become more, more, um, you become more confident in your own instincts. Mm-hmm. That's well, been com- the well, result. Well, com- competence breeds confidence if you're lucky. Yes. 
if you're lucky. Although, I mean, it's not that doubt is is something that all artists experience. But as you as you move through, yeah, eventually you start to build some confidence. And you do stop taking things personally and you do put yourself out there with more confidence and it, it, it does work, but it, it takes work to do it. Mm. Um, and I find, especially for artists, we're not, everyone thinks because we're on stage or because we're in front of cameras that that makes us really confident in all aspects of our lives. It's not true. Mm-hmm. I agree completely. So Yeah. And, and uh, as far as puppets go, mm-hmm. the puppets, the puppets, as long as the puppets don't see you sweat. They do, uh, but but it, but yeah, they're the puppets are just they just give such a neat dynamic to everything. Um, mm-hmm. it just such a and a way to explore the world very openly and very freely. Mm-hmm. Okay, do you have a favorite Muppet? Uh, it's I'm probably I'm not going to be very creative with Kermit. Like I'm not going to be very creative about this. No, Kermit is a perfectly solid choice for a favorite Muppet. He's oh Kermit's always been my favorite. I've I always found something very comforting about Kermit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I have to say I, I yeah, I'm a big fan of mo- most of the Jim Henson original ones. I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan of Rolf the dog. Oh yeah, uh, Rolf was the very first Muppet. Was he? Oh, yes, okay. he yeah, was. He okay. was discovered. Well, not discovered. He was on a show called the Jimmy Dean Show, oh. which I would encourage you to go and look at old Rolf the Dog episodes on the Jimmy <laughs> Dean Show. It awesome. is a riot, and it's because it's Jim Henson being Jim Henson. Yes, with a dog puppet. I just always have been. Do you have a favorite Muppet movie? Christmas Carol. You know, I've heard a lot of people this year in particular talking about how not only is that their favorite Muppet movie, it's their favorite version of A Christmas Carol. Yes, it's an amazing version of A Christmas Carol. I do have another favorite. It's not a Muppet movie, though. It is a Jim Henson. Okay. Uh, Dark Crystal. That's a very, that's, I think that's an I love it or I'm not wild about it Yes, movie. and I love it because I can see, as a puppeteer, I can see the the thought and the ingenuity in it. Like I see what he was doing and it, um, it's, uh, it's really incredible, but yeah, Christmas Carol and dark crystal. I I mean, labyrinth is fun too. Um, yeah. What's really neat. What I really do like about Jim Henson and the, and the creature workshop that he's put together, because he'll, that, that organization, they provide puppets for a lot of, uh, or a lot of works that have nothing to do with the, with the, the Muppets, yeah. The Muppets or the Hensons or anything. But they they just are these phenomenal builders yeah. and problem solvers of how to how do how do you create this effect on film or in on stage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh it's it's wonderful to watch the Muppets and to think about the um how there are different. I mean, there's the, as the there's the what did you call it? the rod and rod and uh, hand and rod puppets. A hand and rod puppet. So a Kermit or a Miss Piggy is a hand and yeah. rod puppet. So it's one hand is working the mouth, and the other hand is holding a stick, so they have an arm that can move mm-hmm. around. Yeah. And then you've got the other kind, the two hander puppets that mm-hmm. are more like Fozzie Bear, where you've got someone working one arm and someone working the other arm and the head. And they have to work in concert with one another. Yeah, and that happens quite a lot in, in I mean, uh, on and off. I mean, the one mm-hmm. thing about the the Muppets, the first thing you learn is that there's multiple Kermits and multiple because they all do different things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I love watching some of the early backstage stuff from Dark Crystal, from Labyrinth, from uh, the early Muppet movies because they do show the actors or the puppeteers in the studio 
working things out like okay this is how we're gonna do this like so for example in labyrinth there's the scene where the girl falls down the chute and there's like the helping hands oh yeah so that's creepy sh- that creepy that's me creepy that. but they show the actors figuring that out in the studio like they didn't just walk on set and do it they and i mean at that at that in that era things were much more practical the the cgi was not at a level mm-hmm. where so everything was practical which is amazing to watch um and and what I loved about it is they go through the same thing that I'm stuck on sometimes like, okay, well, how do we make this mechanical thing work? So it doesn't distract, but adds to the story. And it, mm-hmm. it, it it's, it's amazing. Um, okay. The most amazing thing I saw, I went to the David Bowie exhibit in New York when it was there mm-hmm. and David Bowie's in Labyrinth, of course. And of course. There was this exhibit. This is after he passed away, correct? Or before? Yeah, I think it was. Okay. I think it was. Um, so there was a letter on that they had framed from Jim Henson to David Bowie, because they had a lot of his stuff. Mm-hmm. And I read this letter. And this is Jim Henson, one of the arguably in North America, a creative genius when it came to puppets. Oh, well, there's no question. Yeah. So here he is writing this letter to David Bowie. You know, I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember the exact words, but it says something like, Dear David, you know, do you mind taking a look at the script? You can see we have a lot of work to do. Here it is. This is where we are so far. All the things that I say, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure about that this is the final version, but here it is. I hope you like it kind of letter. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is Jim Henson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? so it is amazing it when, you, when you see that your heroes were yes. human beings. and We are. The, Charlie Chaplin used to have a great line that says, nobody lives long enough to be anything but an amateur. Well, that's it. And, and Jim Henson, like he was so humbling himself to David Bowie saying, I hope you like this little film and I kind of want you to be in it, right, kind of yeah. thing. And it got, you're kind of thinking, well... Okay, but you're Jim. Okay, fine. Um, and but then, he's but he's yeah. also David Bowie. <laughs> he's also David Bowie. Well, and all, but but at this, in the same exhibit, there was a letter that David Bowie wrote where, and it was must have been before, or maybe it was while he was super. Fit. I can't. The 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 trajectory of David Bowie's career is. Woo! Yeah. Uh, but at one point he was writing a letter to somebody in New York to get a grant to do like I don't know music for youth or something, and I'm looking at this grant letter going, that's. We write those letters. How is David Bowie writing this letter? He's David Bowie. But, but you do realize that, that everyone's human. And, and no matter what level you're at, it's all done the same way. You have to put yourself out there. You have to ask. You have to, as you, it, it, it's all the same stuff. There, are, there are certain fundamentals that have yeah. to be met, whether by you or by someone working with you, but certain, certain targets have to be hit. You have yeah. to figure out, and, and how you figure it out, there are, there are a thousand ways to figure anything out. And because time moves forward, you can't repeat another person's success by just simply, you know, checking off boxes and following yeah. the dots because times work. move on. The dots move. The dots it's- are always moving. So, uh, but there are certain fundamentals. And one is, as you say, you have to put yourself out there. You have yeah. to, you have to put yourself in a, in a state of humility to ask for things yeah. from those who can help you and often won't. And you have to move on when they say no. And, yeah, so, and or you have try to fi- again or and whatever yet, it is you're going to do. And figure out a way to leave the relationships that don't pan out when it comes to, especially when you're talking about selling something, leave, leave them happy. 
and don't burn your bridges if you can help it. Some yeah. bridges, some bridges need to be burned. <laughs> True. There are always bridges that need to be burned, but you're right. And generally you don't want to, you know, you want to save your cursing and your freaking out yeah. for like your pillow or your steering yeah. wheel. And you, and you have to assume, I think that whoever it is you're, you're dealing with, they have their own problems. They have their own concerns yeah. and their own bottom line that they have to meet. And if they yeah. don't think your project is going to help them get there, they have every, and every duty to say no, because you, you certainly don't want people saying yes to you only for things to collapse because they shouldn't have said yes. Well, and that, that's a hard lesson to learn too, that yes, isn't always the answer you need. Mm-hmm. it's it's not uh sometimes no is a good thing for you and it's hard to see that at the time but but it it can be a good thing um it's all how you look at it and i yeah it's it's exactly that it is exactly all of that and just trying to get up you know it's exactly what we were talking about before contributing to the story mm-hmm. how is your life contributing to the story how are you moving forward how are you not and not getting wrapped up in the ego part of it now, are your are your uh, shows the, the, they're family oriented? They are. I have done shows for older people, but I really fell in love with theater for young audience again because the imaginative and just far flung stories that you can do are so great. Um, yeah, so most of my shows are family like they're family friendly shows. Now, are they also uh, audience? Uh, do you get the audience involved a lot? Is it a lot of shouting back and forth? Is it a lot of Yes, that happens by itself. Um, if you're going to do theater for young audience, and you'll know this because you've done it, the audience will participate whether you want them to or not. Um, so True. you might as well want them to. Right. Um, I don't, sometimes, yes, we do create deliberate, like, talk to the audience, get them to respond. Well, it's, it forces um, their focus. You force, it forces you force their, their focus. focus. But I don't always, because it happens so naturally. Like with Widget, when I, during an earlier version, I used to kind of hum at one point. The kids would hum along with me. Mm. Um, with Pin and Jab, yeah, they yell at the characters and stuff like that. So um, if you're going to do theater for young audience, you have to be very open and willing to accept whatever happens. Because sometimes what happens is what happens on stage and you have to deal with it. And sometimes something from the audience will happen. And then you have to go with it. And you have to be someone who is willing to go with the flow and go, okay, that happened. Yeah. Let's use it. Let's add it. Let's keep going. And it's a lot. And, and if you do that, and if you're open to it and you're responsive to it, it's so much fun. It makes, it it makes really everything is. so much fun. And I think, I think something that helps too is it forces you not to take yourself seriously. Oh, yeah. You've got to let go a little bit. It, um, and it, it forces yeah. you to adapt to kind of an instant forgiveness. Like, it's over. It happened. Yeah. Now, how do we... And how do we get out of this jam? Which is, for me... And I'll tell you, I've said this a thousand times, when you do a show that's great, that's wonderful. You have fond memories, but your memories are fuzzy. They're, you know, they fade because, you know, a good time, you're always going to remember things fondly. But the bombs you drop and the catastrophes, they get better with age, like a fine wine or a fine cheese. It just gets better with age. And every time you tell the story, it gets more and more pleasurable. Arlene, I can't thank you enough for taking a moment on your New Year's Day to hang out with us and talk puppets. And I, uh, uh, as I, I've noticed is happening with this program, we go off on tangents and we talk about all kinds of different things. Oh, yeah. But at the end of the day, I, I really am glad uh, that you're able to share your passion for puppets with us. Um, and can you just let us, if you have advice for anyone that's interested in, well, I would say puppets, but we've been talking theatrically and generally, mm-hmm. what would your advice be to someone that wants to 
maybe break out of their comfort zone. Maybe they haven't been involved in anything like puppets before, but it is something that interests them. What would you suggest? How would they start? You start by starting. And I mm. remember hearing this advice from a writer once. He's like, well, the way you write is you open a document, you do it double space and you write. And I thought, well, that's silly advice. It's not. Um, something is bringing you to that passion. Whether you know, And for me, it was I really like Shakespeare and I wanted to get mad off the phone and I really like theater. Those three things caused it to happen for me. But whatever it is that's bringing you to it, start there. If you really like the idea of doing sock puppets, do it. If you like the idea of doing hand puppets, do it. Try it out. Um, and then follow it and see where it takes you. For some people, it'll be a profession. For some people, it'll be a hobby. But, but do it. Go out of your comfort zone and do it. And know that you're not going to fail. Because even if something goes wrong, that's not a failure. Just, just learn from it. It's just, you, you've just succeeded in learning a way not to do it. Probably. Exactly. And it's a lot of, it, it will be a lot of fun. I can guarantee you if you, if you start from what's bringing you to it and just, and just give it a shot, you never know. Arlene, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been great. I, I, I honestly, I could talk about puppets all day, so I'm very happy to be here. And that will do it for this week's installment of Mondo Rando, the best of what's out there with our good friend Arlene Thomas. If you'd like to learn more about puppets, please do visit her website, puppetsandshadows.com, or you can find Puppets and Shadows on Instagram and Facebook. And if you'd like to touch base with me between now and next week, I'd love to hear from you, mondorandoradio at gmail.com. Have a wonderful evening, and uh, please do make an effort over the next seven days to make someone happy. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>